So this has been three years in the design and development and it's called the Gardening Pro Pant and it's designed for gardeners and landscapers. Hello, hello one and all and welcome to episode 34 from Pot and Cloche Garden Podcasts. I'm Joff Elvick, a gardener from the Cotswolds in England and today I'm at the Garden Press event in Islington, London. I get to speak to a lot of interesting people and equally interesting products. Andy from Dahlia Beach. Now, if you haven't heard of Andy from Dahlia Beach, where have you been? I will say no more. Sue O'Neill from Genus Gardenware. Sue is launching the Pro Pants, a gardening trouser specifically designed for gardeners and landscapers. Guy Grieve from the Atlantic Garden is converting seaweed into compost. Guy's had an incredibly interesting life. He's lived in the wilds of Alaska. He's had a sustainable fishery in Mull in Scotland. But now he's got this interesting project going on. Alex Curran from Roots Plants. He supplies plants with provenance from UK nurseries. Andrew from the Dipping Tank Company. Now it says it all in the name, but Andrew supplies these wonderful tanks where you can just dip your can in to get water out, but there's a little bit more to them than that. Dick Woods from Finch's Friends. He's tackling the problem of disease transference in bird feeders. Really interesting product and one that I think uh, will catch on. Nawaki need no introduction with their fantastic range of Japanese tools. Stuart shows us a new secateur that they brought out as well as some other products that you might not have heard of before. Let's get straight on with it and hear from Andy. Look who I found. I found Andy from Dahlia Beach. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Jeff. I'm here. Did you spot me? I didn't miss you, put it good. that way. That's good. That, that, was the, that was the vibe I was going for. Big floral crown, flowers all over the sides of my stand. Yeah, now, five minutes ago, you had a, a florist florist shop on your head, so you've had to take it off, haven't you? Yes, I'm just giving it a bit of a spruce up, and also it's digging into my brain and causing me to nearly topple over face first. So I've left it on the headrest for a minute to give myself a little bit of a thing where my head explodes. Now... Who hasn't been watching your roller coaster ride over the last year? We're running your uh, your flower farm. Um, that's all well documented. So let's look to the future. Ooh. What has 2024 got in store for you? I am really excited for 2024. Although my husband has decided to leave the business, but that's not why I'm excited. I think we've got really great opportunity this year to, we're going to employ a uh, sort of senior farm grower, like um, a manager in that kind of growing position. So I've got two farms and this year I realised it's just too much for me to manage on my own, which is good. So we're going to take somebody on to do that. And then it means I'll be able to focus on the shows, um, creating great content. We've launched a YouTube channel. We've got our podcast now as well called Bloom and Bust. So yeah, I've, I've, I'm really excited about our new project range as well. We've got this new artwork that we've got that we're launching here at the Garden Press Events Day, which has been really well received so there's loads and loads going on and the introduction of our floral crowns to our workshop events calendar which is really exciting I can't wait to make this with dahlias I think this is where it's going to absolutely come into its own they're very nice with roses and clematis but I think the dahlias are going to smash the floral crowns out of the park 
How was the winter for your dahlias? Do you leave them in the ground or do you take them out? So we sell some of them on a dig up your own dahlia day. So everyone comes and they bring their own spade and their buckets and they take them all away with them, which worked really well. We sold some of them on the website as jumbo tubers. And then the ones that we've left in the ground, I keep checking on them, Joff. I'm like, are you alive? You're still there. It's been incredibly mild, yeah, hasn't it? It has. It's yeah. like 14 degrees outside. I'm here in a flowery dress and yeah. I'm, I feel positively warm. Well, in Gloucestershire, our toads in the ponds um, are spawning about five weeks earlier this year. It's crazy weather. Yeah. So maybe the dahlias this year will have survived in the ground. You can't ever count on it. But if they have, then I'm going to have a lot of dahlias. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, last year we had the awful cold spell. It went on for, I think you suffered with that, didn't you? We, yeah. But we kept our dahlias in the ground. I mean, I'm talking a garden, not on a field yeah. scale. And they all got through it. Um, I know it can depend on the amount of moisture and, and yeah. the drainage, etc. Yeah. But you know they they did survive, so they're they're perhaps hardier than we think. I think so long as they're not wet, they're not too wet. It's it's not just the frost and it's not just the wet. I think the conditions have to be freezing and then wet or just really really consistently wet for a long period of time they're much more likely to rot in the ground doing that but this year i mean we have had a lot of rain so if you're not on free draining soil you might run the risk right. there who knows but you can always just dig them up and have a look or just hedge your bets buy some more and if they come up the ones from last year come up then you've got twice as many yes. and that's no bad thing is it <laughs> now talking of twice as many yeah i do like a, a peek through facebook marketplace sometimes huh? and i found a double decker bus the other day do you want it no <laughs> don't tempt me joff you know what i'm like i'll be I'm like, oh i'll add that to basket don't tell my husband i came home with a horse once so i really don't need any encouragement honestly but you've still got the double decker i still yeah. have got not not the horse but I've got the double decker. Yeah. She's um in the field at the moment. Again, hopefully I'm not I hope she hasn't sunk into the mud. <laughs> but uh yeah, she'll be getting a bit of a revamp and we'll be putting all of our products in there for when the farm opens. Hopefully in the middle of August. We're gonna start everything off in polytunnels this year, which we did in previous years, but we didn't do last year. And that that really set us back by about four to six weeks because of the weather yeah so we're going to pot everything this year into the polytunnels and then transfer them into okay. the soil in june yeah which gives us a bit more time as well and it, it, it makes a massive difference in terms of the flower yield by just starting them off and giving nature that little bit of a helping hand so if you can get them in the greenhouse or on a sunday windowsill Again, it depends on the weather. We might have a cracking summer like we did in 2020 and everything will be six foot tall by July, but you yeah. can't ever count on that. And as a business, that's what we find really hard. In your garden, you're happy to take a bit of a hit on it, but we can't afford to be four weeks behind like we were last year. So yeah. we're going to put in, invest the extra time and effort and labour up front this year. And hopefully the weather's kind to us this year. We all have gorgeous gardens <laughs> full of sunshine and flowers. Well, I wish you luck with that now. So where can people find you, both in the real world and online? So online, we are we post every day onto our Instagram page which is at dahlia beach just launched a podcast called bloom and bust so you can listen to that alongside your excellent podcast and then we've also got a youtube channel where we're gonna this this year we're doing a documentary series over the year on our farm so we'll be every week we're posting videos about what's happening 
on the farm. And that's a long form video. You've got a lot more chance to really sort of let it breathe and be organic without trying to like chuck things up in the air and change into something else, which we do on Instagram. So we're doing that. And then obviously from August, with any luck, the farm will be open for pick your own dahlias from the middle of August right the way through to the first frost, usually at the end of October. Okay, so, fantastic. Yeah. Doing any other shows? Malvern show this year? Not doing Malvern. We've got something up our sleeve for that weekend in the autumn. So I'm keeping that under my hat for now. But we have got, um, we are definitely doing uh, Hampton Court. Oh, fantastic. Yes, we're really looking have forward to Have you done that before? No, I've never exhibited at Hampton Court. I've gone every year, but I'm really looking forward to having a stand there. That's going to be really exciting. That's a show and a half. I've done it before. Uh, yeah, you'll yeah. enjoy that. Yeah, I really, really hope. Uh, yeah, I'm really hopeful that's going to be a good show because we're going to take all of our stuff and it's a really great chance to meet people face to face, our customers. And, you know, just it's such a lovely community, the growing community, isn't it? Everyone here feels like your friend. It's really, really, there's no sort of like competitiveness, all in the same kind of boat together. And I'm really, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to the, uh, yeah, Hampton Court. Well, best of luck with 2024. Thank you. It's yeah. be a good one. Busy as always, but you wouldn't cool. expect anything less. Yeah, and enjoy today. Yes, I know. I'm going to, I need to go and get a cup of tea, I think. I'm with Sue O'Neill from Genus Garden. Where Sue, hi. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. I very well. I've been here for ages. Oh, well, I know. It must be at least... <laughs> Three days. Three days, yes. Sue, now you're here at the Garden Press event because you've got a new product that you're, you're wanting to uh, highlight. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this has been three years in the design and development, and it's called the Gardening Pro Pant, and it's designed for gardeners and landscapers, those who are doing heavy-duty gardening or landscaping. So if you're down on your knees on gravel or slabs, then these are the trousers for you. Now let's have a look at them and tell you what, why don't we start at the, at the ankle and work our way up because they're not just a pair of trousers, they're just full of features, aren't they? Absolutely full of features. So all of the features that are in our most popular style, which is the three season, which is endorsed by the RHS, all those features are also in the gardening pro pant. But for the gardening pro pant, we have some additional features. So as well as the nine pockets on our three season, we have an additional one pocket and a tool holder. We have air vents on each side. So if you get a bit hot, you can open those to give you a bit of airflow around your legs. The most important difference with these trousers is the fabrics. So it's made up of two fabrics, both of which are very robust and durable. The ones in high wear areas, which is the knees and the seat, are made from a Cordura abrasion-resistant fabric. So if, as I said, if you are kneeling on gravel or on slabs, then you're not going to wear these trousers out. They're going to last you for years. Even more exciting is the ability to add an additional knee pad for protection. So the ProPant has the normal genus knee pad, but it also allows you to insert a foam knee pad that you can buy off our website. And it, that can be as well as the standard genus knee pad or instead of the standard genus knee yeah. pad. For people that don't know, you've still got the usual features like stab-proof pockets in the sides. Yes, stab-proof pockets, uh, a, a mobile phone pocket, deep hand pockets at the hip, pockets at the front, and patch pockets as well. And it comes with a belt. 
it's an amazing belt, this one. It's a much more, it's a more su substantial belt than we have on any of our other stars. And it's also a stretch. Now, we haven't really talked about the other stars because you're here highlighting this particular this yeah. particular product. But this just, the just launch. for people that don't know, what other uh, items of, of garden clothing do you have? Okay, so we have a whole range of different trouser styles for men and for women. They're not unisex. We have eight waist sizes for men and nine waist sizes for women with four leg lengths. Our most popular style is the three season, as I said before, endorsed by the RHS, comes in four colors. Then we have a totally waterproof version, which is not an over trouser. So you take the waterproof membrane that exists as a seat panel in our three season and also in the pro pant, which I forgot to mention. That waterproof membrane is used as a full length liner in our trousers to make them fully waterproof. Then we have a waterproof and insulated style, called, which we call warm and dry, where the waterproof membrane is bonded to a fleece, which sits next to your skin and is incredibly cozy and lovely and warm for the winter. As far as the tops go, we have long sleeve tops, gilets, jackets, and then we have a summer range, which consists of trousers, shorts, zip-offs, and tops. So yeah. yeah, and then we have a whole range of accessories that mean really you can wear Gina's top to toe every day of the year. I'll tell you what I really like, and it's caught my eyes, the caddy bag. I know. You've been working on that for a while, haven't you? I know, the caddy bag. Well, we launched it actually at Hampton Court in 22, so it's not a new product anymore, but it's been really successful, and we're on to our you know, second production of what, I don't know, which each production is about a 1,000 of them. So there's an awful lot of gardeners out there wearing our, using our caddy bag. It's fantastic. It's got so many different pockets, and it's so well thought through. And it's going, it's a, it is the first product in what is eventually going to be a five product family, which is consisting of a tool holster and a kneeler, which are going to be available for this autumn. We're going to sell the twine pouch, which at the moment comes with a caddy bag. We're going to sell that separately. And next year, we're going to add an apron to it as yeah. well. Now, I've had a sneak peek at the kneeler. Yeah. And I have to say, it is the best kneeler I have ever seen. It is the best. I mean, built to last, built to do what it's supposed to do. It's not a flimsy little piece of material, but a lot of thought has gone into it. Absolutely. And if you could have seen the, the design process. So Julie, our designer, she lives up in Glossop. She's... Um, She's a really serious gardener. She also has about 30 years of experience of designing clothing for outdoor brands. So she knows really well how the process should work. And the first thing that she does when she's designing anything is to look around what's on the market. So she pulls together some mood boards that show all the different, all the different brands, in this case, a kneeler, all the different kneelers on the market. The next thing she does is to work out what features gardeners want. And it's not a question of what features we want, it's what features we know or we think gardeners want. And then she puts the two together and she says, okay, um, this one on the market has so many features, but not those. And, and she brings together all the best features with all the best characteristics of everything else that's on the market. And we get an absolutely 
amazing product at the end of this process. Yeah, no, I can vouch for that. I really can. Um, and I believe the caddy bag is held in the Wisley shop, isn't it? It is. It's stocked in RHS Wisley. It's endorsed by the Royal Horticultural Society. And they're also going to be taking our tool holster as well from when it's ready, which will be probably the middle of this year. Yeah. Now, Sue, where can people find you? Online? Online, uh, www.genus.gs. That's genus.golfsierra.gs. Lovely. Thank you. And people can come along and try the clothes on, can't they? Yeah. We have a showroom. We've built it out of a shed in the garden. And it's it's like when you open the door of this ordinary-looking shed, you can't believe that it looks like a really posh, Bond Street showroom. It's a bit like the TARDIS in some it ways, is, isn't it? it is. yes. And um, as long as you tell us what styles and sizes you're interested in, which you can do online, you can place your booking, make your booking your, for appointment online, uh, then we'll have in stock what you're going to look at. And that's in Bybury in Gloucestershire, isn't Just it? Just outside yeah. Bybury, yeah. yes. Sue, thanks very much. Well, lovely to speak to you, Geoff. Thank you. I've stumbled upon uh, with recommendations Guy Grieve from the Atlantic Garden. Guy, hi. Hello, lovely to meet you. Now, I walked past earlier and this caught my eye. Now, I'm at a, I'm at a garden e exhibition and uh, there's a great big six foot, well, eight foot high picture of somebody, I think you, uh, diving uh, through through the, uh, the seaweed somewhere off the, I don't know, I assume off the British coast. Yes, and um, well, well spotted. We were trying to think, how can we illustrate where the idea of setting up a seaweed-enriched range of composts and top dressings and soil improvers started. And for me, it started as a scallop diver. I, I was a scallop diver for 12 years running an ethical shellfish company out of the Isle of Mull. And we just got to the point where, in thinking about it, uh, that I would spin out my bottles in the shallows, which was always up in the kelp forests. And we would always put kelp on our gardens anyway. And so we suddenly thought, okay, well, that's that's where we started. That's that's the image you've got to choose. And you know, we, we're just sort of hoping, and, and people will respond to it here yeah. at the show, and they are. So, what are the products you've got? So, what we're going to produce is seaweed enriched uh, top dressings, uh, multi-purpose composts, um, uh, soil improvers, and we're developing a, a liquid biostimulant as well. But the really critical things for us are. And this is really hard for a startup, right? A serious proportion of each bag is going to go be donated from our hard-earned profits to the Scottish Coastal Cleanup, which is an anti-plastics charity, which is really doing some amazing stuff. So that gives us meaning. The next thing is, I really, I've kind of, I find really beautiful flash design and branding quite unattractive when I see it choking a waterway or stuck in a hedgerow. So we're also going to ensure that what you get from us, because we're going to deliver to gardeners direct overnight, is a box that you can compost, tape that you can compost, that label which you can compost, and the bag of compost or that you can compost. Yeah. But here's the bit where we've got to kind of ask the gardeners to say, okay, you're practical. You put your money where your mouth is, really. They are going to have one week once they get our compost, our customers, to use it you have to get it out of the bag or else the bag will compost yeah. so if you're going to leave it for longer pour it in a box or put it in another container but i'm really enthralled by the idea of having a bag that you know we're going to have two options it's either we're still researching it's either going to be a bag that will home compost in 180 days 
or it'll be a bag that can industrially compost, in which case you can put it in the food waste. Yeah. So I think both ways we're, we're onto something. Are you selling the product as a mulch or as a growing medium? I, I think it can be used as I think it can be used as both, but I w- I would really be using it to just recover the vegetable patch when you've got that veggie patch that has just given you everything for the season. I would be pouring uh, our soil improver all over it. I'd also be using it as a top dresser as well. Um, but you know, there's there's another aspect to what we're doing, which is we've also set up a three-kilometer kelp farm on the Isle of Mole, which we just put in last year in October, growing sugar kelp, which actually you can use to thicken your stews as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing too is, I, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of people trying to make seaweed work as a food in this country. But in, I think in order to get any scale in that in this country, you're going to have to get people to change religion because eating seaweed is not really the British deal. It's interesting. It's quirky. But my God, we've been using seaweed in our gardens for hundreds of years. So I'm really hopeful that we're just going to be tapping into a cultural current that's always been there with Brits, which is to put seaweed on their veggie patches and to use it. So so you've got the raw item, the kelp. Is it processed in any way? No, this is the really fascinating bit about it. So we collect the seaweed, stormwash seaweed, not from beaches and habitat, but when it's up in harbors. Um, so we collected a huge amount of Dunbar Harbor recently, or whether it's, you know, when it gets, when it clogs up infrastructure, then it is used. So we got a thousand tons of that recently. Um, we also are, are going to be farming it. We're going to be I've forgotten your question. I'm so I'm so shocked. I think it's your waistcoat. That's your waistcoat has distracted me. It's an amazing waistcoat. Where is it? What what is it? Uh, it it's from Afghanistan and it's probably I'm made out of camels or something. It's I don't know. Ask me that question again. I'm sorry. I just kept thinking about your waistcoat. <laughs> I, I was wondering what sort of processing the seaweed yeah, went okay. through. And you- so it goes through none. So it's it's either gathered or it's farmed. Um, and by farming, what we're doing is we put a seeded line in the water and we wait for those seeds to catch and they grow. So we seed the lines in October. Uh, they're soaked in the seed mix, and then we harvest them in May or June. Um, and then the seaweed is simply taken and put in a compost windrow um, on about, there's, we use about, so each bag that we sell, 40 liter bag is going to have 20%, roughly speaking, 20% seaweed in it, seaweed content. And then it's just a matter of adding it to a composting windrow. It naturally reach, reaches 80 degrees. We're looking at about 18 weeks of composting. And then there's just the job of sieving out bits of plastic, sieving out bits of pollution, sieving out everything that we can get out of it. It's that whole process of hand sorting. Yeah, now that's a part of the process I wouldn't have thought of, but of course, yeah, I yeah. think that's something that's uh, yeah. something you could do without, but something that's necessary. Yeah, so the gathered stuff that we've got, this thousand tons, we've had to go through it to take out stones, to take out plastic, to take out all sorts of stuff. So why we're also farming is to, A, ensure that we don't have to spend our lives praying for storms, although the way things are going climate-wise, we might be in luck. <laughs> um, but, you know, and also there's just less sorting with farmed product because it's just growing from ropes and there's no plastic to deal with. Yeah, it should save you a lot of work, shouldn't it? That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So you're sort of growing it a bit like, I don't know, like they grow mussels on ropes, don't yeah. they? It's yeah. Similar sort of setup, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do you have to rent an area of sea? 
or do you or do you have to buy a patch of I don't know how how, how do you go yeah, about it? Yeah, you have to um, speak to the Crown Estate and a whole bunch of regulatory authorities to get your permissions. We formed um, uh, a partnership with um, some salmon farmers who had fallow ground which they weren't using. And so we just said, look, can we grow seaweed there? And so we just hopped onto their lease. And that's that's how we got that going. Um, but anyway, I'm just, we're, we're hopeful that it's going to work out. We hope that other seaweed farmers would sell to us as well. So we're hoping to create a bit of a market for seaweed as well. But really, the other, the big landmark this year is I want to get our, our products tested by NIAB. That's going to be really important for us. We know it's going to do well, but I need to... You know, you need to be able to say, hold on, what, what we're saying here is backed up by the science. How can people find out more? Do you have a website? Yes. Yeah, so our website is all the W's, atlanticgarden.co.uk. Great. Okay. That's super. And um, you, so you're not sending out any products at the moment? No, we are going to be starting in the Ides of March. Yes. We, we're, we're somewhat... Uh, classical in our timings <laughs> we we first have to to um make our uh, praises to the god mithras no um we start in mid-march uh we're all set up and ready to roll and we're going to distribute on mondays and thursdays uk-wide overnight i spent my i spent the last 12 years with the british fishing industry and to tell you that crowd is way different to the gardening industry and i'm absolutely loving being in the gardening world i have so had enough of aggressive men. And I, I'm just finding the whole gardening realm really generous, really open with information. But one thing I can tell you that where there is a similarity between the world of fishing and the world of running boats and gardening is whenever anything went wrong with a boat of mine, and I brought boats all over the world, skipped them, you would always go and look for the gray haired, the oldest. Because they had the sea time. Yeah. Those would always be able to help you. And I'm seeing that in the gardening too. I'm seeing some really wise guru type people about, which is really encouraging. So there's a great, it's nice to see that age is actually valued within gardening. But at the same time, what's really kind of amazing too, which is challenging that cliche, is the youth. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, the, the profile is getting younger. A lot of young blood so, coming into gardening. So it's such yeah. a mix. Yeah. It's a really good mix demographically and, and a really nice people. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. It's exactly what somebody was saying to me just now. Uh, you know, that it's just such a lovely bunch, you know, yeah. to, to work with. Yeah. I, I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. Guy, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, your stand caught my eye, as I say. So uh, wow. I hope 2024 is, uh, you know, good to you. Thank you so much. Lovely meeting you. So I'm with our Alex Curran from Roots. Alex, I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't heard of your company until today, and yet you're a growing, fast-growing company, aren't you? Yeah, we seem to be the most popular company here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jakey. No, it's going really well. I'm only three years old, so forgive you for not hearing about us, but it's growing super fast. And our thing is all about UK grain plants and showing customers where their plants are growing. So we take them inside the different specialist nurseries through videos and content on our website. And we really try and show them, you know, who's growing their plants and, and how exactly they grow. And people have been finding it so interesting and they keep coming back to buy from us, you know, read our reviews, people love it. 
Um, so it's all going really well, yeah. That's interesting. I suppose it's a bit like when you go to a restaurant these days and you might have a steak or something like that. They're able to tell you which farm it came from, where, you know, everything about that that animal. In this instance, you're f taking us through the whole uh, process that the plant's been through in some ways. It's, yeah, it's provenance, I, I think the word that's, is. That's yeah. the word, yeah, yeah, exactly. provenance, yeah. yeah. But it's true. And you can charge, like, so a restaurant will charge you twice as much for a steak that comes from a specific farm in Aberdeen or something. Um, because customers value that information and they love to see where it comes from. And I think in this day and age as well, it makes no sense to grow a plant in a greenhouse in Holland and then transport it all the way over here when you've got really passionate, great growers living 50 miles down the road from you. Yeah. Um, especially with all the pest risks and, and biological problems that we're facing at the moment and the sustainability issues, you know, why not grow it here, support our local growers, support our communities and economy and and you get better plants out of it because they don't have to travel and they're used to our climate you know, it just makes sense all around really so you've got what a network of nurseries around the country um do they respond to requests you have or or do you offer what they have <laughs> yeah good question um well i've known most of them for quite a few years so we've built up a range over time and most of them were already set up selling to other people but we try and feedback what we see in terms of demand online, um, whether that be different varieties or species or just different formats, so different sizes of plants, um, or maybe even just different timings. So people might want plants earlier in the year or later in the year than they're being produced at the moment. Yeah. So we feedback what we see online and what we get from our customers and try and improve the range every year from our different growers. And, and most of the time, they're up for it. Uh, not all the time, <laughs> yeah. but most of the time, they're up for it because, you know, we're normally right. So, um, yeah, it, it works well like that. Yeah. So go back three years. What were you doing before this? Were you, were you involved in horticulture? Yeah. So I was a plant buyer for a, a large sort of online retailer of plants. And I guess that's what inspired me. I was forced, but I had to go and buy plants from all around Europe. And I thought it was a shame that we were doing that. And when I worked with growers in the UK, I loved working with them. And I found it really interesting to go and see how the plants were were grown and how passionate people were and i thought well customers would find that interesting why don't we make a brand all about that and that's what we went out and did and so far so good like people are really loving it we're getting a great reception today we're getting a great reception so i think it was a good idea <laughs> yeah it seems like it so where can people find you uh rootsplants.co.uk is the website um you can find us on instagram rootsplants uk um and no physical stores or anything like that. Yeah. It's all online. Yeah. yeah, that's brilliant. Alex, I wish you the best of luck. It sounds an amazing idea. So uh, I look forward to speaking to you next year or the year after to see uh, where you're going. Yeah, all the way to the top. Yeah, let's yeah. hope so. Love to see you. Thanks. Good luck with it. Bye. I've just met Andrew from the Dipping Tank Company. Hello, Andrew. Hi there. Now, tell me about this because I like the sound of this, but tell me all about it. Okay, yeah. So um, what it is, is is presenting your harvested rainwater uh, in a much nicer way than a water butt. Um, so the water comes down the downpipe into uh, the tank, gives you uh, all your fresh water there, ready to dip your watering tank, uh, your watering can into and then scoop out and uh, go and water your garden with. Uh, it overflows back down the downpipe, so uh, it won't overflow. Oh, okay? I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then from there, there's a, a little range of accessories that I do to uh, sort of make the make it more interesting, basically. So there's a shelves that I do to put the um, your aquatic plants on. 
and to get them all at the right height, much easier than putting like bricks and stuff like that, they're spacing it all out. Then there's uh, the fountain, just for a sort of added interest, a bit of water movement. Yeah, that's really nice. You've got sort of a, what do they call that? Like a blade, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like a blade uh, Yeah, going on. I do a much bigger one than that as well uh, for the larger tanks I do. Yeah. So these come in four different sizes. Uh, this is a one meter one. Uh, and the largest one I do is a two meter wide one. Um, and the smallest one is down on the new products award stand. That's okay. the little 60, cent 60 centimeter one. Yeah. Uh, all work exactly the same way. You can also join these together. So if you want to keep one as a pond for goldfish, then you can join another one up to have as your dipping tank to empty out. Uh, or if you just want more capacity of water, then uh, yeah, you can daisy chain these all together. Yeah. I, I like it. It's a great idea because, uh, you know, how many of us stand there, you know, twiddling our thumbs while the tap from the water butt is trickling out because there's all leaves, leaves stuck at the bottom of the water butt. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. Whereas this, you're straight in and out and off watering, aren't you? Exactly. It's a yeah, really yeah. good idea. What what was the inspiration? Was there a moment in time where you suddenly thought, ah, this is what we need? I know. So um, I basically made one of these for myself uh, to go on the back of my house. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I'm a design engineer by trade. And um, I thought, oh, let's get some rainwater harvested in a nicer way. And uh, it's on my patio. And then uh, from there, all, you know, all these accessories have come from me just sort of wanting one for myself. And then uh, as, as I've sort of developed it more, friends and family have gone, can I have one? Can I have one? And uh, yeah, and it's gone from there, really. And now I'm seeing if I've got a business and if people are interested to see to, to buy them. So yeah. 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 So, so if I got this straight, so you've got the downpipe from your rainwater, from your gutters, if you like. Yep. Uh, then the water is directed from that into the uh, dipping tank. Yes. And then on, so you could have a basic dipping tank, but from mm. there on, you can add the accessories. You can have plants at one end, like you've got here. Yep. Uh, you've got shelving to bring the plants up to the right height, and then you've got the water feature as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there's even room in the water feature for plants, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a bit different to put, uh, put them in the top of a uh, blade for waterfall like that. But um, no, I thought I'd tested it to see if it works, and it works bang on. So I thought, oh, why not? Like, this looks adds a bit more interest to it. Yeah. There's also this uh, this one that I do. This, uh, this accessory, so um, it just drops in the top there and then it just has sort of an inch depth of water so you can use it for water in your house plants. Oh, cool. And you, can, you can stand them on it. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. stand your house plants on there and then it will soak up the water uh, using capillary action. Yeah. Or you put your seed trays on there. Um, you could also put um, uh, like hostas or something like that on there that like a little bit of water, you know, plants yeah. that like sort of a bog garden kind of, uh, kind of feel. <laughs> no, it's so, yeah. brilliant. What a brilliant idea, Andrew. So where can people find you? Uh, so I've got a website, which is www.thedippingtankcompany.co.uk yeah. and uh, also on Instagram, which is The Dipping Tank Company. Okay. And only available online at the moment? That's it. Yeah. Only only through my website at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with it. It's a really interesting product. So I hope you do well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've just bumped into Dick Woods from Finch's friend. Hi, Dick. Hello. Nice now, to meet you. Now, a little bird tells me that um, you've thrown away the rule book and redesigned some bird feeders. Is that correct? That's the one. Yeah, okay. we are uh, developing bird feeders purely from the perspective of disease prevention. Ah, that's a big thing, isn't it? I know, uh, is it greenfinches in particular have suffered, but I'm sure other birds too. Yeah, so greenfinches and chaffinches primarily. 75% of our greenfinches have gone, 25% of our chaffinches to the disease trichomonosis, which came to the UK in 2005, so 19 years uh, and that is what accumulating or being passed on through bird feeders. Yeah, it's so it's a it's a parasite. Uh, the way that it affects the uh, the birds is that it creates lesions in their throat, 
So over a period of two or three days, they try to swallow. As the lesions get worse, they are unable to swallow. They salivate. And at that point, they uh, uh, have um, particles adhere to their beaks. They'll go around the ports of a bird feeder, leave elements of the food behind, and that is how they, the, the disease is then transmitted onto the next bird. I see. Okay, that sounds like a big problem. So what can you do about it? Um, well, firstly is uh, try and provide a dry, clean food because the trichomonas parasite can live for up to 48 hours in damp food. So dry food is, is important. Uh, it can all, trichomonosis can also be transferred through feces as can other diseases. So we want to feed from a perch and ensure that the birds can't actually physically get into the food that you're providing. Yeah. So that, those are the key things and make the, make the feeder easy to clean. And that's what we do. Okay, so let's have a look. Where, where's your feeder? Here we go. Okay. What we've basically got here is a feeder with a uh, with a sealed base, so with a sealed uh, top, so there's no access to the birds to the food directly on the tube. But you can see through it; it's, you can see what levels your food's at. Absolutely, yeah, that's all clear, and the birds see that as well. They're quite clever; they know yeah. uh, not to bother <laughs> with an empty one. So at that point, we then have a uh, what we call a feed station, a section on the bottom which is removable. So we we can rotate the base. That's actually switched off the flow of the food from the top to the bottom. So we can leave this hung wherever it's hung in a tree or wherever it is. And then after that, we give it a day for the birds to eat what's in that base so there's no waste. And then we simply press two little buttons underneath and that bit drops off. That's the bit you wash. It's 10 minutes to wash it. Yeah. It's not like a chore of a normal bird feeder where you've got to take it to pieces. And if you've got four or five of them, it can be two or three hours work. Yeah, this is minutes, and so uh, that's that, that's the case. Above it, is that some sort of guttering, for want of a better word? Yep. So this is managing the water. So we don't want this to get wet. Being honest, in some weather conditions, you will get some damp food in here. But at least if it gets damp in here, you can take that out and discard it. Yeah. You haven't got a problem with the main body of food. So we're we're taking the water down to a gutter and then we're releasing the water away without going into the food. Yeah, I see. And can this be used with most types of um, bird food? Any granular food. Yeah. Um, some people put uh, uh, fat pellets in as well. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but we really, we, it's really intended for granular food. Yeah. Well, this is great. This seems to solve that problem or go a long way to solving it. So... How can people get hold of the one? Where are you? Are you online? Yeah. So finchesfriend.com. We are only available online. We don't have any uh, uh, onward sellers. So it's uh, finchesfriend.com is where you can find us. Just uh, Andrew, my son, and I. It's our business. And uh, so you'd be dealing with the owners of the of the business if you're kind enough to buy from us. Yeah, that's great. Any other products in uh, sort of in the pipeline? Yeah, for sure. So there's lots uh, it, available now immediately is uh, also our peanut feeder. So that's, uh, that's a feeder that um, uh, ensures that the peanuts stay dry yeah. and they're fed in age order. So if I take the lid off here, there's a cone here and the peanuts, uh, as they go in, they will come out in the order that they went in. So yeah. you don't get that waste, that rotten core of peanuts yeah. that you We've get. We've all seen that, yeah. Again, the, the rain is kept off and we have two grills, a bottom grill where the birds will perch and the top grill where they feed from. Now, they do cross over from time to time, but any percentage that we can cut hook contact is disease contact yeah. uh, 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 cut Does this well. break down? Yeah, really easily. So to clean it is as simple as that. Yeah. So 
really easy to clean and uh, and really simple. So that's um, that product's available now. We have a window feeder, which is very different to anything else on the market. So this one, again, perch here and feed uh, is from the from either end. And then when we want to clean it, we just take uh, the cartridge away. So uh, uh, that's a. Uh, um, uh, the alternative there is a is an open tray where the birds can walk in, defecate in the food, all the things we're trying to discourage. Yeah. Um, coming along very soon is a product we call Zig. That's actually behind you there. Is a uh, is both parakeet and uh, uh, squirrel. Squirrels will be kept away from our feeders on that product, and the birds that we want to feed can still access and feed, which is important to us. Uh, onward from that is uh, what we're calling Cleaner Feeder Center, which is going to collect uh, food that's discarded yeah. and then store it so that we can dispose of it when we want to. Birds can't get to it. Birds can't get to it, and it doesn't go down to the ground. We don't have rats, and we don't have that secondary feeding, which is what's killing the chaffinches. Um, on top of that, you've also got uh, a water bar there, which is perched water. So we don't believe in bird bars uh, effectively. Uh, with with a, a bird bath is effectively sewage. It doesn't matter how you look at it. The first bird in it that defecates in it is uh, is going to potentially pass on disease through that water. So we want a, a bar that is perch accessed and uh, and the water is always clean. So that they, those are products that are coming along uh, probably by the end of the year. Also uh, a nest box which is easy clean. So you can drop the you're supposed to you, you need to. Remove the old nest each year from a nest box. Again, it's a job that people should do, but often don't. Yeah. So with this, we just have the bottom drops out of the box, and uh, the old uh, nest can be discarded. That can be cleaned of any parasites that are in it, and then put back together in two or three minutes. So. Yeah. Uh, fantastic, Dick. Thanks for your time. Really lovely to see. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're uh, going a long way to solving a problem there. Well done. We really hope so. Yeah. Good luck with it. Thank you very much indeed. I'm with an old guest of the show, Stuart from Nawaki. Stuart, morning. Morning, Joff. Have you got anything new for 2024? Um, yeah, so we've got daikibas, secateurs. So daikiba means tusk in Japanese. Um, they are the uh, blade and bypass. They're designed to be elongated and slightly curved at the end there. So you can get in amongst the stems without damaging the other stems around. Um, they've got double rivet on the shoulders there. So they're a lot stronger and chunkier. Um, than our other riveted secateurs here, like the Mainichis with only one sec uh, one bolt. Yes. Um, galvanized buckets, they're brand spanking new. Oh, yeah. Um, they're just a bucket. It worked really well. Yeah. 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 Now, we were talking earlier about this. Uh, what's it called? Uh, cremate. Yes. It's, oh, it's brilliant. It's, uh, a, it's a cleaning block, I suppose, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So the Japanese, they can't pronounce clean, hence cream. Oh, cremate. Okay. Yes. Um, very good. Dip it in water. And if you've got any dirty secateurs or shears or hose or anything like that, it just rub it over the top there. As you can see, it, it's all the water turns brown on top of the metal there, but it all comes off. So you get rid of all of the rust and gunk, leaf grime, sap, everything all comes off. Yeah, I've got to say, I do have one of these blocks and I've used it on a number of my clients' secateurs where they've left them out in the compost heap or whatever. And it's amazing. I mean, it takes a little bit of elbow grease, but it get there and it absolutely transforms them, doesn't it? Correct. Yes. It, if you keep on top of your talk air regime, it should literally take about three minutes from cleaning 
all the way through sharpening and then onto oiling afterwards. And I use that in my garden to think about what I'm going to be doing, what processes, what sort of what sort of um, hierarchy I'm going to be doing stuff jobs in. Um, it just it just clears the mind before you actually crack on with it. Yeah. Now this little this little well this larger block you've now bring out, brought out another size, haven't you? Correct. Yes. Yeah, so you've got the mini cremates. Um, we have a lot more of these in because cremate is like gold dust. Uh, we can't make it fast enough in Japan. Um, so, but we can make the mini cremates here, which are half the size, um, a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to describe it for people, it, it sort of looks like a pumice stone almost, doesn't it? I'm sure there's m more to it than that, but that's sort of what it looks like. And it's a bit heavier, um, but yeah, they absolutely work wonders. Now, I've seen this before. Tell me about it. Camellia oil. Yes, a camellia oil. It's a traditional Japanese um, oil for lubrication. Um, so it leaves a super fine layer of, of oil on top of your tools and protects it from rust um, and sap and leaf grime. Our tools are carbon steel, so naturally they will rust if, if they're not kept dry. But the oil just keeps that little layer on top of it. Don't use thicker oils like cooking oils. You'll be amazed we'll people... Three in one or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. WD-40. WD-40 is an industrial cleaner. Yeah. So it will corrode into the metal. But this is natural um, and will leave a super fine layer on top so it doesn't really leave... Um, doesn't really inhibit it at all's use afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, what else has caught my eye? Well, of course, what catches my eye are those secateurs that have the sort of the bamboo handle. Ah, uh, yes. So the S-type and the um, rattan S-type um, subo secateurs. Yes. So the rattan handles, they're lovely. Rattan, that's Rattan, it, yeah. 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 Hand-wound as well um, in Japan. So... Very, it's uh, they're little tin sheds with. So what happens generally is family or family um, business here. So the the dads and the sons will be making the secateurs. And the wives and the mums will be just sat there winding the rattan around the handles and stuff. It's it's wonderful to watch and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, one thing to say about the material, uh, this sort of Japanese steel. Um, you know, it, it might rust, but you can't half get a decent edge on it, can't you? Correct. Yeah, being in the carbon steel. Um, it's so easy to sharpen, a lot easier to sharpen than stainless steel, and it holds its edge so much better. And because it's got the carbon in it, you can get a really fine edge um, that literally you slice through the branches, so therefore the, your cuts are cleaner, and then they'll heal faster. You don't get infections in branches and stuff as, as you would do for a blunt pair of secateurs. Yeah. Well, Stuart, thanks for showing me all the all the new bits and pieces. Obviously, you've got your usual range. You've got the lovely tripod ladders that are, a lot of people use every week. They're oh, fantastic, they're, they're aren't brilliant. they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I use one myself, so I know just how good they are. So, yeah, good luck today. Hope it hope it's uh, worth you being here. I'm sure it will be, and uh, see you next year, I expect. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Have a good day. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm Joff Elphick. You can go to my website, joffelphick.co.uk, where you can listen to all the previous episodes from this podcast. Bye.